0: Again just a, a warm welcome to you if you're visiting or new uh, if you don't know me. My name's Nick I'm lead pastor here at the church, and we're really glad you're here come find me after the service We are working our way through Malachi, which is a bit of a difficult book because it deals with Israel's faithlessness and God calling them to account for it and so there's some pretty difficult topics that come up this one particularly is about faithlessness or you could just call it apathy, good old fashioned apathy, which means just not caring. And I experienced the reality of the not caring quite acutely at about 5.40 a.m. on a Thursday morning when I heard the little pitter patter of feet coming down the stairs and thought, no, no, too early, stop. And uh, three of our boys decided it was time to start the day and to descend to the living room instead of going back to bed. And they were quite insistent that their way was the way. As much as I said, no, they didn't want to listen to me. One wanted to swing a flashlight around the living room in the dark. And one wanted to find headphones and listen to rock and roll. And one wanted to bring his blanket downstairs and lay on the couch with me and eat hot toast. And no one wanted to go to the bathroom, though that was needed shortly. And more importantly, no one wanted to go back to bed, which was what I wanted to do. Uh, So no one wanted to do it my way. No one, no daddy, we don't want to listen. And I think we've all been there at one point or another, haven't we? Whether it was when we were kids, trying to listen to our parents. But even as we get older, we like to be right We like it when our way is the right way. And sometimes we don't really care what other people think about that. We just want to do what we want to do. And I think we have that desire deep down just to want to be correct, right? To hold on to that. And it can be hard to be confronted with your mistakes. In this case, it was the mistake of why are you up so early? But here for Israel, we find that same sort of attitude. God is confronting them with their apathy and their mistakes and their brokenness, and they just don't care. They wanna keep doing what they've been doing. In this case, it's a pretty serious thing. I mean, whereas my kids can get up early and I, you know, whatever, we just start the day and off we go and things are fine. In this case, they don't care about what God wants for their lives. And God knows better than the people do what they really need. He really does know. And now this apathy that they have, it's affecting their worship, and it's affecting their leadership, and it's affecting their marriages. And so six times in Malachi, God addresses this situation. He calls them back to faithfulness. And each time the people disagree and say, no, no, your assessment of things, God, is wrong. We don't like that. And God responds with the final word. And so we saw two weeks ago when we did the first dispute, God says, I love you. And the people say, how have you loved us? And he reminds them of his faithfulness to them, his faithfulness to the covenant to Jacob and to their descendants. And we made the point that just as God was faithful then, even though the people were a mess, God is still faithful today even when we feel like we're a mess. And we can look to him, and he cares for us. And now, in the second dispute, we're doing second and third show up today in in these readings that Eyrickon did for us. God is pointing out their not caring attitude in worship. Now it sounds strange to us because they're talking about the animal sacrifices that they bring, but that's part of their worship system at the time. And in a sense, you could think of it this way: God turns the the "I love you" question back onto them. They said, "God." You don't seem to be loving us. Do you love us? And now God's saying to them, You don't seem to be loving me. Do you love me? Here's the things that I'd asked you to do when it came to worship, and you don't seem to care. You're bringing kind of whatever animal you want to bring. You're supposed to bring the best one to bring to God, and you're just kind of like, Well, here's one with three eyes. I guess I'll bring that one. He's kind of weird looking. I'll take him and bring him to the altar, and here's one who's. Like, I don't know what's happening with that guy. We'll bring him, put him on the altar. I'm not going to keep him. Uh, I don't want to eat that one. We'll just kind of tuck him over there. And you're blatantly disregarding the covenant law that we made to each other. They've kind of got this attitude of of treating worship, treating God with this, hey, it's just good enough. This is just kind of good enough, whatever kind of attitude. And it drives home this point, folks, that God is not interested In our own sort of half starts of worship he's not interested in us looking to be religious or spiritual but to actually have no desire to follow him he's not interested in us showing up on Sunday and having a great time Sunday morning and then turning around on Monday and not caring about listening to what he has for us or calling us to himself so much so that in verse 10, God says, I wish one of you would just close the temple doors. Why don't you just close the doors? Because this whole thing, I don't want to accept. This is just not worth it. You're going through the motions, but you don't care about it. You don't care about me. In verse 13, we get a sense of what the people are saying. It says, but you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it. I've, se- I've done that. Oh, <sighs> right i don't want to do this my kids do this also we don't want to listen i don't want to care and that's the issue that god is is pointing out to them you're going through all the motions of saying you're following god but you don't want to obey god you don't want him to actually change your life in any meaningful way deep down you still want to hold on and be in charge of your own life and we can be like this too can't we we can know about jesus We can even say we love Jesus. We can acknowledge what he's done for us and we can come to church on a Sunday morning or we can participate in all sorts of like Christian activities and do Christian-y things, you know? But if our attitude is like, I don't really actually care at the end of the day. I'm doing this to make myself feel better, but I don't really care about what God calling me to put away my sin. I don't really care about living for him. It's the same as bringing kind of a weird-looking animal to the worship service to give to God and saying, well, that's just good enough. Eh, I don't really care. But God's not interested in our pretending. God is calling his people back to faithfulness. And not just, not just his people then, but at all times he calls us to faithfulness. In fact, we get a hint of that in verse 11 of chapter 1. It says, for from the this is about the like the most optimistic bit of this whole reading, right? For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered in my name, and a pure offering, as opposed to the really wonky offerings that are happening at the time, right? A pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. We get this reference that people who want to faithfully follow God are going to rise up from all the nations, not just from Israel itself. And this is looking forward to a future time where through Jesus and through the salvation that he's won for us at the cross that is extended to all people, people from every tribe and tongue and nation can be grafted into the family of God. And that's what this, this passage looks forward to. Even in the middle of God addressing all, this, all these issues in his people at the time, he's saying there's going to come a day where my name will be lifted up around the world. And we actually lived that out this morning. We actually helped fulfill that this morning, didn't we? But there's a call here to faithfulness. come out of an uncaring attitude and come back to a faithfulness to God. So it's affecting their worship, but this same attitude's affecting other places as well. It's affecting their priests. The priests are supposed to oversee the temple worship, Right? and yet they're letting this go on, the same sort of uncaring attitude. They're letting this profaning happen, you could say. In verse seven of chapter two, it talks about the priest. It says, the priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he's the messenger from the Lord of hosts. But you've turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You've corrupted the covenant with Levi, which is a call back to Levi who was from that, that tribe, that people group out of God's people from the tribe of Levi is the priesthood. And he's saying, you've kind of neglected, you've forgotten the original calling that you have as priests. You've forgotten that. And you're joining in on this corrupt worship. People are supposed to be coming for prayer and for teaching and, and all of this sort of thing, but you're letting this sort of whatever attitude just carry on. So we have a faithful faithlessness in worship and a faithlessness in the priest leadership and then we find a faithlessness in the third dispute Which is a faithlessness in marriage and what you have here at in chapter 2 the beginning of chapter 2 is we have Israelite men Are marrying non-israelite women, which they were told not to do Not because it was an ethnic thing, but because of the idolatry the rampant idolatry in the other nations And as soon as they intermarried, now these Israelite men were bringing these other nations, foreign gods and idols, into their house. And it was corrupting the household worship. And then what you found was a sort of wave of divorce going on in their society. The men were starting to divorce wives for kind of no good reason because they were apathetic, because of the faithlessness, the same attitude of, I just don't care. And so now when this marriage doesn't seem to be working out for me I just don't care whatever just kind of divorce go on from there and God links together their idolatry their faithlessness to him and their divorce their faithlessness to their spouses and the people seem to be fine with this and Malachi's call to them is no you're betraying the covenant with God you're being faithless in worship in your leadership in your marriage come back to God so what are the implications of that for you and me well the passage really it really shines a spotlight on their apathy okay this we don't care going through the motions feeling and I think the text asks us to think about the attitude behind our own actions as well in those three areas and I think that's fitting for us to think about too in our worship so in our walk with God In our personal walk with God, how are you doing? Or are you going through the motions and you just kind of, whatever. Or maybe in the place of leadership. Now, some of you may feel you're more in leadership than others, but all of us have areas of life, leadership in our own lives, but there's also people that we often have an influence over in some degree. Do we have a sort of, I don't really care what my example sets kind of attitude? I just don't care, you know? What about in, maybe we're not all married, but what about in our relationships with others? We can also be kind of apathetic. We have a choice to be faithful or to be faithless. We can choose our own way or can we respond to God's way. Or in the example of my children, you can come down the stairs and choose to wake up though I don't want you to or you can go back to bed please and thank you right God points these things out not because he doesn't love his people but because he precisely does love his people because he doesn't want them to stay in this faithlessness he wants to call them back to himself in all these areas of life in their worship in their leadership and in the home and he calls us to that today as well be faithful in our walk with God, to be faithful in the places where we work or where we go to school, and to be faithful in our relationships, whether that's in marriage or with your parents or with kids. Don't grow apathetic. Don't grow apathetic because it's easy to grow apathetic. Here's God's people who they've seen him work in miraculous ways. They have this history and tradition of God, present and at work in dramatic ways in their lives, and yet they say, I don't really care. Don't feel like it. And now today, we don't offer animal sacrifices, right? It's not like I'm evaluating, you know, how your goat is when you come in on a Sunday morning, you know. Is it, how's it looking, right? What do we call to offer instead? What's the New Testament call us to? We offer ourselves As living sacrifices don't bring some other thing we bring ourselves we're called to offer ourselves in a wholehearted devotion to Jesus that doesn't mean we always get it right doesn't mean we don't sin and stumble along the way but it means our hearts are such that we say God I want to follow you first and foremost And that means in every area of my life, in my personal walk with you, in my relationships at work and at school, and and even in my home life, I want to follow you. And what would that look like if we as a church just said collectively, God, keep us from apathy, we want to follow you. We want to follow you first and foremost. We want to resist the temptation to become apathetic, because We need to be honest, that temptation's there. It was there for God's people at this time. It'd be silly for us to think it's not present in our own time. And so to be wise and say, God, keep us from going slack in our walk with you, in our walk with others, in the places where you've put us. I think as a church, it would help us to be more tender to the moving of the Spirit. I think it would help us to actually, when we're reading God's word and there's a call for us to obey, our hearts say, yes, God, I want to obey that. It, maybe it's hard to obey, but I want to try. I think it would give us a compassion for each other. And it's not that those things aren't there. But we need to be wary of the temptation to grow into that nonchalant attitude, right? Where we just kind of snuff at stuff. Eh, whatever. And before we start thinking, man, this message is all about me having to try harder to do stuff. I want to read a passage from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. In Ezekiel, God makes this promise to his people. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh. That's the apathy bit. So we can say I want to get rid of that apathy. I want to I want to get rid of my not caring attitude about Jesus. But we got to remember there's there's a work in progress both with what I want to do but also God is doing that work. God removes the heart of stone from my flesh if I'll let him. Remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's a heart that cares, and a heart that's tender, and a heart that's open to God and others, right? And then in verse 27, God says this, I will put my spirit within you. And why? What then happens when our hearts are made soft and tender and the spirit of God lives within us? What happens? What happens? And cause you to walk in my statutes. There's the faithfulness. See, we can't be faithful to God just on our own. We can try hard. We can try hard at all kinds of things and still fail at it, right? We actually need God's help by a spirit to transform us, to make us able to be faithful to follow him. And so God's desire is not just to cleanse and forgive us, Not just to have you repent and come to faith in jesus though that's really important but his heart then is having been cleansed and having been forgiven to fill us with his spirit so that we can then live for him so we can walk in his ways so we can move from faithlessness or move from apathy to faithfulness and joy again and so i want to pray to that end for us that individually but even as a church we would make that a priority in our lives that we take that to heart today and and as we come to the communion table that maybe as we come forward and take the bread and the cup it would be like an act of us saying in a fresh way again yeah God I choose you I choose faithfulness to you and I recognize it's not just something I can drum up on my own strength but as I come and receive from you today I remember it's by your spirit that you caused me to be able to walk in your ways. You do that work in me. So let's pray to that end as we head towards the table. Jesus, I thank you that you call your people back to to life in you, back to hope in you, that you don't give up on us. You didn't give up on Israel here in Malachi, even though they've got all sorts of issues, all sorts of stuff going on. You come to them and you call them to yourself. And Jesus, I thank you that even today in the church in Canada and in Drydenful Gospel Church where we've got our own issues, we're broken, we've got our own stuff, Lord, I thank you that you still call us and are faithful to us today. And Lord, I thank you that you call us not to rely on our own strength, but that we can rely on the presence of your Holy Spirit with us. Lord, I thank you that it's not simply a matter of saying, I need to try harder, because we can't save ourselves. And so, Lord, we thank you that, yes, our effort matters, but at the end of the day, we also need to submit to you and to the presence of your Spirit in our lives. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is that if there's anyone here that has never submitted to you who has never said i want to follow you jesus that this morning that you would come to a place of saying in your heart jesus i need to follow you i want to be faithful to you i want to lay down my sin and my brokenness i believe you died on the cross for my sin I believe you died and rose again And i want to follow you the lord even for those of us who have maybe followed you for a time we can grow apathetic and that's what we read here in this passage here's people the people of god who have stopped caring so father i pray this morning that as we would come to celebrate the table that for each of us as we come forward or as as we partake of this meal this symbolic meal in which we participate in your body and your blood that we would remember lord that you would remember us, put us back together so that we can live faithfully for you. So that in our own lives, personally, and in our work, in school, in our relationships, Lord, that we'd be faithful to follow you. That's our heart's desire.